This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Repeat, this is a test of the emergency podcast system. Disaster Girls is an unironic excavation of disaster movies with profiles as high as the tallest volcano and as low as the Marianas Trench. In order to ensure your safety and enjoyment, please remain calm and keep your ears locked on your hosts, myself, Jordan Gershiola, and me, Amanda Smith. Hello, Disaster Divas. I am Jordan Cruciola, and I am sending you a warm welcome to this new episode of Disaster Girls, and I am here with my co-host... Amanda Smith. And I think this... It's it's a contender for best titled movie that we have talked about on this pod. Today we are discussing Stonehenge Apocalypse, which, when I first heard it last week when we started talking about it, I was like, what the fuck does that mean? And then you watch it and you're like, well, that's pretty it, self-explanatory. It means exactly what it says. <laughs> it that's really... what I love it. I love it when it, when you don't have to deep dive the title subtext. You're like, well, what is the thing about? It's what the title, it, it's, the, my shirt is raising a lot of questions that are answered by my t-shirt. Yeah, yeah. My Stonehenge Apocalypse t-shirt is, an, is raising a lot of questions that can be answered by my Stonehenge Apocalypse t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it really, and I, I, you know, Misha Collins is really the glue in this one. Oh, absolutely. We're going to get into believability relative to Misha Collins, because without yeah. him, one could not. So, Jordan, do you want to real quick give us a summary of what a Stonehenge apocalypse is? Yeah, it's, it's well, it's basically Stonehenge uh, seems to get very angry uh, <laughs> at the start of the movie, and the stones rapidly rearrange themselves, and they produce, like, this is like our cold open, kind of, and, and we're, we see tourists milling around a very like combination middling CGI sort of practically recreated Stonehenge. Um, tourists are milling about uh, electro electric pulses created sends a wave out from Stonehenge after these, these stones have rapidly rearranged themselves and people start running away. And then it sends out this electrical current that vaporizes everyone, making them look like tiny lightning bolts that just fade away. And then that, uh, it turns out that's just a precursor for what's going to happen. Turns out Stonehenge is a mechanism that is in connection with. They keep referencing in this movie the quote electrical grid, and uh, the I, Earth's electrical grid. The Earth's electrical grid. Yeah, it's the Earth, not like the grid as we know it through you know PG and E, um, but the grid of the Earth's electric field. And so these, there are other key sites. Um, some of them you may recognize, like, you know, the pyramids at Giza and um, temples around like, like Mayan temples and, and, and Indonesia that it turns out are all linked to Stonehenge via this grid. And when Stonehenge spins up, and sends out its electromagnetic pulse that cues up these sites dotted all around the world to basically become huge fucking bombs. And that means every time Stonehenge is going to go off, every time the Stonehenge uh, machine is going to go off, there's going to be a new catastrophic disaster around the world leaving Misha Collins to aid uh, a multi-country effort to stop this before the 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 big the big one of big ones goes up. 
yeah, that's pretty much it. Apparently, yeah. all of these all of these temples become the central location of a massive volcanic eruption that levels entire like countries. So yeah, that's... at one point we are told that Indonesia has been flattened. Yeah. Uh, the entirety of the Middle East is destabilized once the pyramids at Giza erupt. It's a, yeah. it's a lot of, it's a lot of volcano that's sort of ancillary to the main, to the main concern, which is a potentially yeah. nuclear-powered uh, Stonehenge. Yeah, and Stonehenge is like absor- absorbing the energy of the Earth. And it like only has so many, as the scientists explained to us, this mechanism that is apparently Stonehenge only has so many life cycles in it. Yeah, it's counting down to something. Yeah, there's a funny moment in this movie where they're like, what are, you know, it has only so many life cycles before it's going to like set to expire. And they're like, run a calculation on like how much time it has left. And then it very obviously brings up a countdown clock and they're like, wait, it's counting down to something. It's like, well, you just assessed when the life cycles were going to run up. So every, so up, yes, everything up to that point, time is expired. You asked for a countdown clock. You were given a countdown clock. I'm not quite sure that was a surprise twist. It's counting down. Like, well, when you know the end point, everything's a countdown to that, isn't it? Yeah. Everything is a countdown if you look at it from one direction. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And of course, you know, we have we have Misha, who is almost like a, the info wars of like alien. He's, he's he's very much in the Mulder discredited scientist uh-huh. whack vein. Like and he has this... he has like an inner, he has like a radio show that he yeah. started. And then and we he's, have like, he's a discredited physicist, I think is what it was. Astrophysicist, I believe. Yeah. Um, discredited at one point genius prodigy astrophysicist um there is also um hill harper plays what seems to be an astrophysicist archaeologist um and then there's of course the disbelieving head of corporate science people and then there is uh you know there's a there's generals involved there's a military aspect involved because how else could we marshal explos- enough explosives and and nuclear power to address a threat such as this, we have to have the military involved. It really, it hits, it hits the particularly the um, sort of B tier disaster movie archetypes that you're. Oh yeah, for, certainly. It definitely like so. I mean, it definitely rolls through all the right tropes, um, and that's. I, I'm never going to begrudge a movie hitting the tropes. No. You know, if you do it no. well, do it. If you do it competently, yeah, do it with exactly. your heart. I don't yeah. care. <laughs> And what I, 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 we, one of the places we start in this movie is we have Hill Harper, we encounter him and like, there's a little title card that comes up below the screen and it says like somewhere in, you know, such and such city in Maine or town in Maine. And then it says 10,000 feet below the surface, which I, I had to laugh at. Because it's just a comically large number. And also, I feel like when you're 10,000 feet below the surface, you're not anywhere in Maine anymore. You're not, you're, you don't, you're not like, oh, we're in Portland. We're in Augusta. It's like, no, you're 10,000 feet underneath. I mean, that's, that's almost two miles deep. That's going to be really on like one that's very uncomfortable temperature wise it seems like it would be hot right it would be hot um and i'm just looking up real fast like the deepest mines 
that would make it like one of the top 20 deepest mines in the world. (laughs) That they have Uh, discreetly dug. That they have quietly and discreetly so that at the end, at the, at the, during the climax, they can't just figure out where it is from the giant pile of dirt next to it. Right. You got to move a lot of dirt to just to dig out this mine. Yeah, but, well, probably or, a, a kind of drilling mechanism that would make a really big scene. Yeah. Like, you don't um, do this with spoons. And, and it's hard to do. It's an impressive feat because they're doing this. They're digging, again, two miles deep <laughs> yeah. to find this buried temple kind yeah, of buried complex. Pyramid. Buried pyramid. So you got to have buried two miles below the Earth's surface, a pyramid, which it works one of two ways. Of, like, Egyptian origin, but yeah, in Maine. In Maine. Yeah, when, <laughs> as soon as I saw the on, because like one of the first things you see is we're, you know, 10,000 miles below the Earth's surface. Yeah. And, um, and I'll be honest, I was, I was not sober, and I definitely was like, I hallucinated that. That's fine. Um, <laughs> so thank you for confirming that, because I definitely thought I imagined it. Because I was like, there's yeah. just no way. There's no way it's, like, that's absurd. Yeah. Um, but when they, they excavate this, like, perfect, pristine wall, which, hard to execute this kind of perfect from two miles deep, but whatever. And then the onk shows up. And I just sat bolt upright and yelled, <laughs> what in the name of Lost is this bullshit? <laughs> it was a real... And that, it was real. In the jungle moment. It was perfect. Well, it, it, yeah, it was It was just absolutely as ridiculous as it needed to be. And, of course, that's when we meet the corrupt scientist. Uh-huh. Jacob, Joshua. Uh, Hill Harper is Joseph Leshman. Joseph. And he, 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 um... He seems to be the one who instigates this whole thing, right? Like, okay, the order does him because he's holding on to some sort of rune, some sort of artifact yeah. from this wall of glyphs, and it sucks it out of his hand, and it activates. Yes, it activates this temple, and that Stonehenge is what follows that, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. So, so he initiates the Stonehenge apocalypse machine. Ankh, the symbol of life, of course. Yes. So that's what triggers the the machine that is supposed to restart life. And then I guess that they picked Maine because if you draw a straight line on a map, sure. Um, which the Earth isn't flat, so that's not how lines <laughs> yeah. work on the Earth. Yeah. I just want to point that out. Like if you look at an air route, like those are never those air routes are never flat because you should uh-huh. account for the curvature of the Earth. Uh-huh. Um, but if you draw a straight line on a map, you can draw a straight line to Stonehenge. Yes. That so that's probably, why they probably yeah. just when they were conceding where this was going to be, yeah. they just start the line heading to the United States. And they're like, well, we hit Maine. Yeah, they, they picked. And, and like because of the places where there would be like an exotic temple sort of situation, Maine, just every that in terms of believability, every time that they mentioned having to get to Maine, it really yeah. sucked me out of it. Because when you say doomsday device, yeah. I don't think Maine. There is not a less, like, yes, Stephen King is from there, but to me, there is no less menacing a state on an apocalyptic level than Maine. No, no. Humanity, ghosts, maybe. Ghosts, okay. Ghosts, okay. Haunting. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Supernatural. The, yeah. But, like, uh, a feat that is, like, what what is kind of basically assessed as, thanks to Misha Collins, like, when he is asked, like, well, where did, where did Stonehenge come from then? And he very plainly tells the disbelieving, like, corporate scientist, he's like, the people who came, the ones who came before us on Earth, who basically created 
this machine, this, uh, I love hearing the, you know, British accent um, intonation of Stonehenge, um, who created Stonehenge to be a mechanism that triggers the process to have terraformed Earth. So at one point, Misha's like, I know this is going to sound crazy. He's like telling his ally scientist who is absconded with him and they're going to go on a rogue mission to try and figure out what's going on. And he's like, I know it's going to sound crazy. Earth is being terraformed. And the woman thankfully looks at him and goes, not thankfully because anything should be off limits in a movie like Stonehenge Apocalypse, but I just liked her delivery of like, you're right, that does sound crazy. And she turns around. He's like, no, 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 hear me out. In the soil around Stonehenge, what they're finding is after after these bursts of electricity that they are they're finding pyridict pyridictium. They're finding mm-hmm. Finding pyridictium, which, as Misha tells us, have not fact-checked, is one of the ancient organisms that first oxygenated our atmosphere. And so what this thing is doing is, I guess, um, causing volcanoes embedded under pyramids to erupt to create a new terraforming event to essentially create life on Earth, but... As he says, like they're like, well, why is it happening now? Stonehenge doesn't know. Stonehenge doesn't have a conscience. It, that Ankh activated a glyph in a secret Egyptian temple underneath 10,000 miles of Maine's crust and got going again. So I was like, okay, I guess it's time to terraform Earth again. But obviously it doesn't need to happen. So I guess re-terraforming the Earth would mean we were going to get wiped out. Is the yes. Con- yeah, because you have to take, I guess in this case, it's going to take Earth through all the different cycles. Right. Um, and so it'll it'll start all the, basically to, to restart the spark of life. Because yeah, thermophiles, that I did look it up, um, pyridictium is an actual genus of, of thermophiles. Oh. So yes, that is possible. Those things, they are, they are still, they exist today. You find them around like deep sea vents and things like that. Um, so they are, they, and they, yeah, they're adapted to live in extreme conditions. Okay. Uh, and then what happens is that they, as they're processing, like their byproduct is oxygen. Oh, okay. Okay. And Got so it. Yep. that's how the earth began to have oxygen in the air is because there were all these, like this bacteria that the by, one of the byproducts was oxygen. And so they were, you know, farting that out. And then yep. the air became habitable for uh, early organisms. So it turns out reality index, that yeah. happens. That passes. Yeah. I did like that they managed like not many movies incorporate a thermophile. I liked it. I enjoyed <laughs> that. I feel like I feel like Aaron Biba would appreciate that. Like the only thing that would have made her happier, friend of the pod, Aaron Biba, who's yes, on for yes. our Twister episode. I feel like she would have really enjoyed if they'd brought in like a water bear as well because she doesn't oh, yeah. really like those. But I think she'd appreciate a thermophile mention. Yeah, and I, yeah. I, you know, and Misha Green telling me these things, I believe him. Yeah, no, he. So yeah, in terms of the reality index. There are not many people who I think could have pulled this role off and walked that nice fine line yeah. between just a little unhinged. Yeah. So we never really learn like why he's a conspiracy theorist. We no. never learned what happened with his fall from grace. We just kind of have to accept that like this dude is kind of crazy. But right. of course, like in the opening sequence when he's taking calls and he comments that he, on his on his radio on show. his radio show, um, and he is like. I, you know, I detected a burst of electromagnetic of electromagnetism, and you know he's going on this thing, and he gets a caller who calls in, 
And said caller is like, yeah, man, the stones at, at the stones at Stonehenge moved, and he hangs up the phone. I did that. I did was, you I also did not, just like? No, I I was like, that's bullshit. No, you are running a. You are running. You yes are very smart. You're not quote unquote crazy, but you are also running a conspiracy theorist basically blog. These are the exact people who are going to call you, and yeah. they're telling you things that should actually fit. In your radical worldview, yeah, in his worldview, going on, honestly, you're, like you're being just—he's like, oh, another night of crazies, huh? It's like, uh, Misha, yeah, excuse me, no, sir, that was- yeah, especially because like this is after the other guys, like, and you think that they found aliens on the moon, and this is that moment I was like, Misha Collins is going to give this movie his all because yeah. he <laughs> replies when he replies back straight faced and in a really great delivery. First of all, buddy, I never said they found aliens on the moon. It was a robot head <laughs> and he it's- delivers it so well. And I I'd like give him the awards for delivering a line of dialogue that no one else could. That only that only that really someone who is a veteran of supernatural could yeah. do. That was, that was also my thought was like, this is only somebody like this. is He's two years into Supernatural at this point. Uh-huh. This is this is a seasoned actor, the Laurence Olivier of saying absurd shit. And I like to know that like this is as such with like Supernatural kind of being Supernatural sort of being a best case version of the kind of absurdity you see in a movie like Stonehenge Apocalypse. It's like the most lovingly like well done version of that, you know, a holdover of the WB sensibility as opposed to the CW and I love knowing that he's makes this movie he's a couple years into Supernatural and like that show is gonna go for a hundred years so like Misha Collins is a very well-paid man I appreciate knowing that quietly Misha Collins is just like he's he's taken he's taken it to the bank well I just like that the fact that in 2010 he didn't know like of course he he did not know he did not know that Supernatural would still be on just chugging along, yeah. unstopped by the apocalypse to the point where yep. they can't even record their final episode because the apocalypse happened. No, the universe won't let Supernatural end. No, the the true Stonehenge apocalypse will be the end of Supernatural. <laughs> it's going to take a Stonehenge apocalypse yeah. to end Supernatural. So that was just a, that was just a nice thing to know that watching this, knowing that Misha was on his way to like a legacy broadcast TV payday. Absolutely. But yeah, that to me, in terms of believability, I, this movie lives and dies by Misha being able to repeatedly talk about the robot head they found on the moon, which we never learn anything about. We never get any context to. There's nothing else. Just, it's like this reoccurring joke that really culminates the payoff on it is that that is what propels him to use his last of his life force. Yeah. Is that he gets pissed off. He's being taunted by one of the bad guys. He's been shot multiple times. And the last thing he has a burst of energy to do is stop the bad guy from creating the apocalypse by yelling, it was a robot head and lunging toward him. <laughs> it is. I love, I, have I just, I'm sorry, continue. No, I just loved it. That's all. No, I, I had a conversation with a, a horror, horror specialist, podcaster, writer, director, producer, Michael Verratti once about how we love an unexplained bit. Yes. And we just started, like, hypothesizing about, like, you know, it, like, imagine a situational comedy in which there's just, like, repeated allusions to, like, that one time at Baskin-Robbins. And everybody gets really grave and somber every time anybody brings up that one time at Baskin-Robbins. But we never find out. 
And so like I watched it was like, this is like that one time at Baskin Robbins that I will never, I don't want an explanation for. I don't want to know more. I just want to know that this man will never be free of the burden of having aliens mistaken for robot heads. I mean, this is, this is the sci- this is the supernatural equivalent of what happened in Utah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. What happened in Utah is our, is our, it's, what happened at Baskin Robbins. It's our yeah. real, real, real deal. Yeah. I love, I love a good runner. I love a good running joke like that. That just kind of, I mean, we have so many at this point that we've, we've amassed solely for our own entertainment, yeah. but yeah, it's the, the robot head is just, it really, that the movie had me as soon as he, he clarified that it was a robot head. I was like, you know what I'm in? First of all, because I appreciate that you clarified that we're not dealing with aliens. We're dealing with aliens who created robots. Yes. yes. That's fine. Give me the, give me space robots. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, go. No, I was just, what do we think as far as reality goes? Cause we see this so often, the doubting, the doubting corporate scientist kind of person, the doubting corporate entity. We have a British, a, a very like sort of stodgy British man is the yeah. one who telling like saying like Misha Green like the the things he thinks are crazy what, what we can't be expected to believe this can we this is impossible is that is that really the approach that someone in that position would take or does it just look somehow look good for movies or people think it looks good i don't particularly like it when you have something where the situation the reality is stonehenge is rearranging itself and is sending off gigantic electromagnetic impulses it is zapping people like little light like little bugs off like a a, a bug zapper um is that really the position that, the, that a person that that in that status would take like oh well this we we couldn't possibly be expected to believe this it's like you are watching the unexplainable right now how can you continue to be so fucking doubting like what does it hurt when you have no idea what is actually going on to entertain the most far-fetched scenario at least for the purposes of like presenting a thesis and trying to prove or disprove it yeah i'm always on the fence about that because there are times where i'm like okay fine i i'm with you know pig-headed sort of there's no way this is possible but right. they keep pushing back because the the stodgy british guy who with the jawline um yeah. who seems to be like in charge of the operation he keeps pushing back well through the movie to the point so where long. i so mean like long. we're in the third act we yep. have now seen volcanoes erupt out of temples that don't have yep. volcanoes yep. um the stones have multiple times like not just incinerated people, but they have tried certain wavelengths to outsmart the electromagnetic field around it. Yeah. And this, and Stonehenge has then matched those wavelengths to stop the, stop the interference. At one so point, we've seen turning Stonehenge, as yeah. they say, into a nuclear reactor. Yeah. It goes into like gamma rays. To produce gamma rays. Yeah. It's Kit. I know it's <laughs> Kit's not down with the gamma rays. No. I'm no, really he, proud of my dog because the, the mailman came and left. And then Kit seeing the mailman walk to his car. And now he's like, oh, I could be on this. <laughs> um, yeah, no, there's a toward the end. So at this point, all this shit's happened. They're trying to get the, um, God, what's it called? The, the key, the, oh, the, uh, oh, I have it. I an- have it. And anti- the Antikythera mechanism. Yeah. Antikythera mechanism. Yeah. Yeah. So they're trying to get the Antikythera mechanism. Um, and he calls and he's like, and, and 
Misha Collins calls and is like, buy us more time. You can't nuke it yet. And the guy's like, and he's like, it's going to, we're going to use the key to stop this. And the guy says, that is an entirely hypothetical scenario. Yeah. And it's like, well, yes, sir. Yeah. All of this is hypothetical. Like, and that it's is all hypothetical. That is where we are at right now. We we have nothing but you also are dropping nukes on it. That's a hypothetical. Yeah. We don't and know what's going to happen. It's all a big question mark. And you're so, a scientist. A lot of things start as hypotheticals. They start yeah. as hypotheses. Yeah. And and when you're faced with a totally unknown situation, like when say Stonehenge is setting off electromagnetic bursts yeah. that you've never seen before. Yeah. Everything is hypothetical because we have no known nothing to to put it up against. Yeah. So yeah, no, I'm with you. And like when it's an evil, when it's someone who has like an ulterior motive to deny it, if it's yeah. you know the, the Dick Cheney character in <laughs> The Day After Tomorrow, yeah. or if it's like an evil, I love a good evil corporate guy who's like. Yeah technically hiding protecting his bottom line so it's not convenient for him to believe it fine fire twister, fire twister was really an all-time corporate evil guy oh yeah great beating, oh, beating a woman to death with a golf club totally out of nowhere just a, a truly a a high point for character yeah. deaths committed to his motivation yeah so anything like that i'm in great give me these things but um i just when it's like a scientist who's just disagreeing for the sake of it yeah. Yeah, that's when you lose me. And I get it that they needed it because, like, plot, but... It meh. just, it went on for too long this time. Yeah. I was like, dude, we are, we are like, three pyramid events deep at this point. You have nothing that can explain this. And the yeah. only guy who's, like, yeah, he's kind of on some QAnon shit. But, like... Yeah. Once his things start being proven, it stops being QAnon, which is fake and dumb and bullshit and bad, and starts being like, oh, you're you're actually predicting things that are coming true. You're not just predicting an apocalypse that we have to reschedule every seven years because it doesn't actually happen. Like, yeah. He made you a roadmap, and now you are following it, and it's proving true, so just get with the program. So that Exactly. Was- that was that felt at a certain point that started feeling unreal to me because it was like somebody needs to take this guy out of power. Somebody needs to be like, you're being overridden because nothing you've said is helping, but everything this guy said is coming true. So you're being relieved of your post. Very believable, though, that somebody in government would like continue to fail upward. So yes. I fully believe that this man, despite like really kind of fucking up at every turn. Yeah. Would like that. No one would step in because he didn't seem to have any supervisors. He seemed to kind of be no. the end of the line. They're in England. So I guess like the next person he answers to is technically the queen. I don't know. He was in charge. And it was I was really kept waiting for someone to be like, sir, you're in over your head. Yeah. And he was never told, not even by the military, like, we're relieving you of your duty. It's no longer in your power. Yeah, yeah. I I, I also, uh, a thing I do, I really like, uh, a trope I really like, and mm-hmm. that, you know, the more things get bad in, in real life, the more um, accurate it does feel, is Hill Harper's character. It turns out, it's like, it starts out he's old friends with Misha. Well, yeah. we learned that he's basically, he's kind of like one of, he's kind of like an eco-terrorist bad guy where, like, his whole thing is the world and humanity needs to be cleansed. Like, there needs to be a purge. Because part of what he wanted to activate this whole thing for is you get Stonehenge terraforming going again. And then with that, the temple that he activates that from, the buried pyramid that's underneath Maine, that is the one and only salvation bunker 
for the apocalypse. So he has his band of like Jonestown followers and they're down with him in this bunker and they're going to ride it out and they're going to emerge and the air is going to be clean again and the skies are going to be clean and the water is going to be clean. That person feels very real. Like someone who I was like, yeah, it's a silly thing. And the idea of activating Stonehenge to start an apocalypse does seem a bit extra, even if you were like, there's only one way and it's like getting people off this earth. But it's like, yeah, I believe that guy's real. I believe that guy is currently real and prepping in the Appalachians right now. Yeah. I I will never question a doomsday cult. I love a good doomsday that's, cult. That's fair. Throwing that one, throwing we've that one seen in there. Too many, we've seen too many come and yeah. go to question but, them. And also, like, to a question, doomsday... Well, to question their commitment, not their to question, commitment. like, their, their yeah. accuracy. Yeah. Nine times out of ten, like, it's probably... That doomsday cult's probably not worthwhile. Also, question, like, do you want to be in a doomsday cult surrounded by... It's sort of that, the Groucho Marx, I would never want to be part of a club that would have me. Yeah. I don't know that I ever want to be in a doomsday cult uh, because I don't know that I want to be surrounded by other people who would join a doomsday cult. That is very you know? true. That's where yeah. I always, that's always the thing that gets me is like, yeah, you know, sure, I'd go for some apocalypse fiction, but I don't want to be around those people. That's a very, like, and you're that's stuck a very in that, good point. Yeah, you're stuck in the bunker and this is like this weird sort of, I mean, this the amenities haven't been updated in God knows how long. It's 10,000 feet below the Earth's surface. <laughs> yep. There's no air conditioning. There's no ventilation. There's they're no lucky ventilation. if they, they're lucky if they have like nice mattresses. This is terrible. Um, so yeah, so I I I love, but I, what I love about the cult thing is that there means that there is a level of stakes involved yeah. that nothing they become unstoppable. Yeah, and I love that. And like weirdly integrated into places you wouldn't expect them to be. Yeah, the reveal I did not see I mean, coming. Like the they mentioned of, it's the appeal of everything that Dan Brown has ever written. Yeah, exactly. I did. I did not see coming. So when they mentioned that there's a mole inside the Stonehenge operation, and I kind of just ignored it and didn't really pay attention to that part. <laughs> um, and there was just too much else to keep track of. And right. So there was that moment when they reveal that, like, the awkward, nerdy, blonde guy who kind of looked like the dad and and teacher from Degrassi, the, the, Degr the Degrassi one like, one who's, like, wearing shorts at his yes. scientist the job. Yes, the shorts was such an unexpected reveal that I yeah. had to pause and rewind to be like, maybe I, his his pants just caught the light weird. He's wearing, like, but shorts yeah. and hiking sandals. He's wearing shorts and hiking sandals and then a button-down shirt and a sweater vest. Under his lab coat. Yeah. It's, it is, it is, is a man who is clearly prepared for the future where all we can do is zooms. Yeah. The apocalypse he was prepared for, for was, yeah, he was ready for the 2020 apocalypse. He wasn't ready for this like weird Mayan apocalypse situation. Yeah. Mayan uh, by Egyptians under yeah. Maine. Under Maine. They, 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 they routed themselves to Maine. But yeah, when I loved that reveal because I, it had completely, I had kind of forgotten about the whole mole thing. And I was like, right, they can be anywhere. Doomsday cult. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, Doomsday they, look, cult they that, look just like the rest of us. Sure. I loved it. I love that moment. And then who became like weirdly good at shooting a gun. Yeah. And well, you know, who knows what the doomsday cultures are doing in their, in their spare time? Probably things that would terrify me. So I guess he could be a marksman and we just wouldn't guess it until suddenly he was bearing down upon us. Yeah. But I, 
you did mention you mentioned the Antikythera mechanism. Uh, that was uh, just for some detail. That was an artifact that had been buried, I think, in the Red Sea and found, and it had made its way to a museum in the United States. And it turns out that it it is a key that can turn off the Stonehenge terraforming machine. And so that's, of course, what Misha needs to get. But it's also what Hill Harper needs yeah. because it, like, fully activates the power supply inside the di- the buried pyramid bunker to make it operational. So it seems like an oversight that they didn't make two keys. Well... There might have been a second, but it might have been buried somewhere. True, true. You know, and in fairness, in fairness Actually to... lost to time. Yeah, that might have been someone missed. I mean, I, God knows how many house keys I have to hide in order to just not get <laughs> locked out of my own house. I can't imagine like the ancient Greeks, because this is actually, this is a real thing. Multiple times, I understand that. Yeah. Um, so this is actually a real thing, the antithera key um, oh, mechanism. Yes. So fun oh. fact about me. In the early 2000s, I got super into cryptozoology and, like, the reaction I just got from you. (laughs) Super into cryptozoology, super into, like, the supernatural stuff. Um, Not the show Supernatural. I didn't know there was a crypto branch of zoology. Yes, cryptozoology is, like, Bigfoot and uh, the Chupacabra, things along those lines. I I was like, this is super cool. I'm into mythology, so I got into, like, this stuff as well. It might have been partly because of the Disney television show so weird. Mm-hmm. It's just what it is. Anyway, it is a real thing. It was they think it's basically it's basically like an analog computer component. Uh-huh. uh-huh. They don't entirely know like hmm. they know it's Greek. They know it they kind of can date it to the Hellenistic era. Okay. They, they know some things about it, but they don't actually know what it was a part of or who like who created it, where why yeah so it, it was kind of fun to see it pop up in this it was like okay yeah if you are going to just meld all of these random things together why not throw that in yeah it did I, I liked that there's like this bear this like basic modicum of research that was happening i like that too that's very yeah. satisfying yeah so this is real um i don't know if it was in the museum there was so much like jaunting back and forth across the atlantic ocean mm-hmm. oh um, my god I, we, we we meet misha he's in an, i don't know I forget where he's located in the United States, but then he finds out Stonehenge is moving. And then the next time we see, the next time we see Misha is, he's just popped up at Stonehenge. He's just in a car, getting to Stonehenge. It's like, oh, well, I guess he's just taking a transatlantic flight. Yeah, creeping through the cornfields because he is at one point definitely hiding in a cornfield, which, sure. I don't the, the, know that there are cornfields around Stonehenge. Uh, I will. Uh, I mean, I haven't been to Stonehenge. I've seen enough photos of it. Uh, there's there's not cornfields. <laughs> I don't know what corn production is like in the United Kingdom islands, but I don't know that there's corn around. I don't think there's corn around Stonehenge. I don't think there's corn in the in the United Kingdom islands. I mean, <laughs> we could be wrong. There could be like yep. small gardens of them, but I don't think that we're dealing with like cornfields the way that no. Misha Collins was hiding in a cornfield um and yeah. observing and, and observing it from a safe distance all the people in hazmat suits taking readings of the of the Stonehenge stones and it looks like it's like Stonehenge is is pretty much um in the middle of there's not a lot of there's not a lot of topographical difference or in the area surrounding Stonehenge no it's very flat 
Yeah, and there are, and not that there are like mountains around the Stonehenge in Stonehenge Apocalypse, but like definitely when people are walking around it, you can see like like farm like hills in the background a bit. You can see like crests of tree line and things that it's like, yeah, I don't know. Like they could have I, I wish they would have painted that out a bit. Yeah, it was it looked a lot like rural Vancouver. Uh is my hunch. <laughs> yeah. Looked like where I've seen a CW show or two. Yeah, it was it was somewhere near Pop's Diner from Riverdale. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, like of the things that they chose to CGI, they chose to CGI the stones for the most yes. part, which I thought was a super weird choice because the actual practical effect aspect of it's really simple. Like the stones don't move within like swap around like you're playing the, the clamshell no. game. Yeah. They really just you just put them on a platform that rotates. Yeah. That's all you have to do. And then you <laughs> and then you have footage of the stones rotating. And you um, and that can also be six inches tall and made of foam. Yeah. It doesn't have to be big. I mean, I guess like and then you could just mat in the the tourists being scared and confused as they circle around you. Like whatever. Yeah. I'm not I'm not a VFX person, but I, right, I mean this right. is just a hunch I have. And then you could have thrown that money maybe toward like painting over the hillsides. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. But yeah, you know, um, doing what they can with what they have. I understand. Yeah. But it was it was funny to see people. I feel like we got some what I did like about this movie uh from an effect standpoint is it gave us explosions. Oh yeah. They they gave us our money's worth of like yeah. of destructive nature. Yeah. That was great. Which yeah. Yeah. I loved I loved the vaporized people by electricity. Yeah. I loved and and it's it's important to note I think that when these uh the pyramids start detonating because Stonehenge triggers them they like their tops like open up and like they collapse in on themselves in a very organized fashion so it's not just like a bomb is going off underneath these pyramids these pyramids too are like machines tied to Stonehenge and they are mechanisms that are that are set up to activate a certain way when when you know, stimulated by Stonehenge electromagnetic pulses that go out through the earth. So I like that it wasn't just like, it's a big boom. It was an intentional like, oh, these are, these aren't just like map markers. These are designed products uh, that are, that are meant to look cool and ominous in the event yeah. that they're exploding for the, for the terraforming to, to recommence. Yeah. I like, they like folded back. Like they were, they were Autobots. It was really yeah. Yeah, it yeah. was very cool looking. I wonder who, like, who was that for? Is that, <laughs> it's a doomsday. Like, is it for the people, like... Illuminati, it, for the Illuminati? It, I guess, I guess it's for the ancient people who, or the, the ones who came before us who set these up, and they were like, well, we might as well make it look nice while we're terraforming. Like, yeah. <laughs> we might as well put some flair in there. Yeah, but uh, I, I did kind of wonder, I was like, no one's going to be seeing that. That's... That's designed for the sake of it, but you know, yeah, that's taking pride in your work. Yeah. Uh, my favorite, I did really enjoy when the, at the end, so the Joseph has, has activated, he has stolen back the, the stone. Yes. He has, or the, 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 the Anchithera mechanism. Yes. The mechanism. And he has stolen it. He has activated and the temple rises up from the middle of this field in Maine. And I really enjoyed the drama of it. Yeah. Those, the mm. ancient aliens or whatever, they were extra. Yeah. And I don't use were. that term lightly. They like, were. That me. seemed unnecessary, but <laughs> I loved it. 
why not have a a giant pyramid emerge in the middle of rural Maine? Mm-hmm. Why not? Love no, from two from not? two miles below the Earth system. There. Yeah. So no, that I, was that was a good. That was great for a big finish. Yeah, I did think though, like when when he when it happened though, I was still like, I'm sorry, but. The primordial, I, I could not process the idea of the primordial hell being located in Maine. Every <laughs> single time I process that, I was like, it is a, it but is it's a in that really Maine. Keeps on you. <laughs> what? I but love thinking why? The, the people of Maine witnessing this happening. The people of yeah. Maine specifically. I just, I just like thinking of the ancients who were like, well, we've got all these locations, you know, Philippines are nice. We've got this, these pyramids with the desert, sure. Yucatan Peninsula, eh, I mean, you know, it's temperate, it's warm, there's a lot of rain, though. Let's do Maine. Maine's nice <laughs> in the summer. Yeah, let's do yeah. nice things about Maine. Yeah, why not? They've got lobsters. We love lobsters. Like, what? Yeah, because it's not like... Why it's, Maine? It's not like, it's not like um, there's anything that they use as a visual cue about Maine that needs to anchor it to the place. Like, we don't... It's not like we get the St. Louis Arch in there. Yeah. We don't get, yeah. like, the Transamerica building in San Francisco. We don't get Mount Rushmore in South Dakota. Like, it doesn't even have to be, like, a major city. We just don't get something where it's like, oh, we need to do the establishing shot of, of the place to let people know, like, this is why we picked it. There's nothing. It's just like, hey, Maine. And the other thing is, is if you're, like, there's nothing special about Maine that they're like, <laughs> well, because, I mean, no offense to Mainers, but it's yeah. not... <laughs> it's not like there's something like, well, you know, oh, yes, it would be in Maine because that's the place where the sun's solar radiation is most oh. strongly centered on this right. date. Right. You know, there's right. no yeah. like, this is the key and here is why. And it was don't foretold. There's reason for why yeah. it would be when much is made of the fact that the reason they can't, the reason that that point of the Earth's energy grid is not on Nisha's map is because it has never been discovered. There there could have been some textual reason yeah. for why the ancient Egyptians needed to cross even a Pangea situation to get from to get from Mesopotamia to Maine to bury their bunker pyramid. Exactly. And and you it's know. so like there's so much speculation about why Stonehenge is where it is and yeah. celebrations of like I guess Stonehenge I don't know the solstice like when the yeah, sun the solstice. Comes certain parts of the stones like there is such speculative significance about all that it feels like they could have just made up whatever the fuck absurd absurd thing to make Maine the crazy epicenter of humanity's preservation like the only vestiges of human preservation in the in the face of an apocalypse yes and and the answer is not well because you could draw a line to it from stonehenge because the thing about <laughs> lines the, like the thing about lines mathematically is that a line connects any two points any two you can draw a line from stonehenge to literally anywhere on the globe if you're just drawing straight lines yeah <laughs> if you're on a map, on a straight, you can draw a straight line anywhere, and it'll work. So it could have been in like Texas. Yeah, it could have been in 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 Arc uh, Arkansas. Ar was it Arkansas? No, no, no. Like I was thinking Kentucky, but Arctucky. Isn't there one weird one where it's like a combination of names? I was gonna make a joke. It didn't work. I'm just gonna. I was give gonna up say on I'm not one. familiar with that state portmanteau. Not. It's like it's like a city. There's like a city called oh, like Texarkana. 
Yes, Texarkana. Oh, okay, okay. Home Thank of, you. Home of the home of the uh, Netflix show Cheer, and they're very, you know, winning young junior college cheerleaders. Um, yeah, the, the so that could be they could have been making a pyramid, and that pyramid is actually going to center the light and the energy rays from the electromagnetic grid. Uh huh. On the cheerleading pyramid, and then an actual <laughs> pyramid will rise up. That's what it is. That's yeah, that's how that's how you be aggressive. Yeah. G R E S S I V E. Yeah, you be be aggressive is how. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God! If the cheer and then the cheer were doomsday cults, yeah. Totally possible. So anyway, so that's that's, that's not, my that's in the reality index for sure. Yeah, the a cheer cult could definitely be a a sort of doomsday cult. But yeah, that was. The one thing that kind of, I was like, what? But Maine. Ben, Ben, <laughs> I Ben, like how, Ben, the I'm primordial like, hill is Texar, in Maine. Why not Texarkana, but definitely not Maine. I just, I can't think of anywhere that seems less apocalypsy. <laughs> well, what Maine, win, Maine wins on this one for getting the publicity of Stonehenge apocalypse. Yeah. And as you say, our, our hero Misha, with his last his last gasp on this earth is able yeah. to solve the problem of the Stonehenge apocalypse with, and you know, I, in this, certainly uh, in watching this movie, nobody I'd rather have save me. Yeah. A fitting no, he hero. Is, he is, he is a hero. He goes out as he lived, defending the fact that it was yeah. a robot head, not aliens. It was a robot head, that it was a yeah. robot head. No, and he, and he grapples. And I, I really, I, I, I felt bad. I was surprised when he potentially, but who knows, dies. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I. I it is. Uh, it is a question at the end, as is fitting for him. But yeah, I would have liked to have seen. I would have liked to known he lived. Yeah. Because he was good. I enjoyed him. We didn't need to make that. We didn't need to make that kind of heavy sacrifice in a movie called Stone and Apocalypse. We no. can have our hero win the day. Yeah, I was expecting it. I actually, what I expected initially when they were dropping the nuke on it. I thought that it was going to flash. I had a brief moment where I was like, it's going to hit it and it's actually going to send us traveling through time. Oh, that would be cool. And Misha Collins, I was like waiting for Misha Collins to wake up at his desk to start the radio show having had this vision. Oh, I would have really liked that actually. That was what I was waiting for. Or like when he dies, stopping it. And then I was like, okay, he's going to, and then, and then we cut to, he dies and we cut to the radio station and I was like, oh my God. It's going to happen. And then it turned out, we haven't talked about Dr. Lady Scientist at all. Oh, Um, yeah. We we have not talked about her at all. Scientist. Hmm? She's a good Dr. Lady Scientist. She's totally fine. I like her. She, it was great. She has like a really good jawline. And I was looking at her. I was like, she has a Star Trek jawline. Oh. And sure enough, she had been on like some, she was on Stargate. Oh, okay. And I was like, but she just has the jawline of someone who'd be on like a Star Trek or a Stargate. Yeah, she oh, really does. Yeah, no, I oh. liked her. I, I, in terms of believability index, she was not too contrarian. She was just, she was just disbelieving enough. Yeah, she was very yeah. likable. Yeah, she was, and she felt I, I, I liked her. I liked her energy as a match mm-hmm. for Misha's. Yeah. Does that then bring us to the point of what this movie was really about—the Stonehenge apocalypse? Yeah, I'm still kind of, oh, Jordan, do you want to go there? You know, I can't really, I guess, like, in the in the most uh, treacherous sense, it could be, uh, you know, a movie about how your paranoias are right. Yeah. All those, all those 
fears you had about the government covering something up, the 5G towers, <laughs> etc. Um, there could be a potentially dangerous message here that uh, if you just keep digging, you will find the corroboration for your paranoid conspiracy theories. And in a time of uh, dueling realities living atop one another in the media landscape and, uh, you know, fake news, rampant lies and those kinds of things, a potentially troubling message coming from Stonehenge Apocalypse. Because really, if you look for a pattern hard enough in anything, you're gonna find it. Like, most people who would be plumbing the depths of the internet to find these kinds of connections are not lauded and awarded prodigy astrophysicists who have that sort of studying to back up their research. So, you know, I would I would say that this movie, to me, uh, I would like it to I would like for people to take it as a cautionary tale that just because astrophysicist astrophysicist Misha Collins uh, was right about this one and Stonehenge um, doesn't mean you're right about Pizzagate. I like it. I think that's a good, a, a wise words for our time. Yeah, I think it's just, you know, we can't say it enough right now that like, nope, nope, you're not right. Nope. nope. <laughs> there's a what lot. Yeah. There's a lot to be angry about and there's a lot to be skeptical about, but something like that. No, put down, yeah. put down the research. Stop picking up the crumbs. Yeah, I, I, I think it was, oh, she's a, Emily, she's a, the, she's the pop culture columnist with the avatar with the curly dark hair. Oh, Emily Nussbaum. Yeah. She was tweeting about, you know, being annoyed by more like anti-Semitic conspiracy theories. Yeah. Which, fair, I also deeply get annoyed and dislike yes. them. Yes, yes. One, one, one would. Um, one and I was hopes. like, I just, I, I my favorite thing about all of them is always that, like, apparently this is a shadowy, we have the, the power, the shadowy power to secretly control everything. Yeah. But we can't stop gossiping about it long enough to keep it a secret. Yes. Yes. Like, that's, come on. Come on, guys. Like, if we were really, in, if we really had that kind of power, you wouldn't know. <laughs> yeah. That's the first rule of having a conspiracy. That's very true. Don't tell people. Otherwise, yeah, you don't have a conspiracy. Otherwise, you just have a business plan. Yeah. <laughs> that really, that that's the difference. I, you're you're right. There, yeah. I've, I don't think I've ever been engaged in a conspiracy that I'm aware of. Yeah. Uh, but it does feel like, it does feel like top of line, don't tell anyone about the conspiracy. Yeah. I just, no, I don't. Which is exactly what Fight Club is. Fight yeah. Club is a conspiracy. Don't tell anyone the first rule of Fight Club. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. my thing is just I'm never going to be special enough to warrant knowing the details of a conspiracy if right. I'm not part of it. Yeah. I'm I mean, look, it's like to, yeah. I, I haven't. I'm not going to be the Sandra Bullock like <laughs> coming upon the thumb drive situation here. <laughs> what were you going to say, Jason? Oh, I was just going to say, I mean, like you guys, we've we've known each other for this long and like I've never spilled a peep about being a lizard person. So like it's, it's just one of those <laughs> right. basic sort of things. It's no, not and you hide it so well. You you True. almost never see the double eyelid blink. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> why do you think I'm why do you think this isn't a video podcast? Oh, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there. Well, you know, I haven't had my horns trimmed in months because you know, with the <laughs> pandemic and all my, us my Wait, usual, my usual horn trimmer. Mormon. <laughs> Wait, Mormons have horns too? That's like a conspiracy oh, about geez. Mormons. 
deep apologies oh, no, to my no, phone no. ringing, by the way, over and over again on this fucking episode. It's driving me insane. <laughs> I can't hear anything, but uh, Jason, th- you guys do not get to take Jewish theory, Jewish conspiracies. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not trying to take them. I'm just horns, saying what I've heard. Horns I've heard... are horns are ours. Wait, I... Are horns Mormons too? People have accused okay. Mormons of he having says... horns before. Yeah, but oh, Jason. Jason also says that Utah has chili. So as far as we know, Jason just makes shit up on this podcast. Look, you can do some googling on your own time. There's all sorts of (laughs) on your own time. Well, if Mormons have horns, it's only because they stole the whole thing from Jews. Like they steal everything else. To be fair, there's a whole lot of Mormon uh, theology stolen from from Jewish people. There's so much Hebrew and Mormon uh, uh, scripture. I will say, like, the, the, the whole, like, showing up, Egyptian temple showing up in Maine, I was like, oh, that's, like, very Mormony, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very Mormon vibe to it. Very Mormony. It is, just to have them be like, oh, no, we're going to transport ourselves to Maine now. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> just, like, just like how Jesus went to Utah. Why hey, not? He surfed his way over there. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Egyptian. Yeah, the Egyptians went to Maine. Jesus went to Utah. Sure. Yeah, it's what well, it is. Believability. Moses vacationed in Virginia. It's just. <laughs> he had a really, really nice summer home there. To be fair. Well, he when did. you can when you can part the seas, you can get anywhere. <laughs> That's true, actually. <laughs> so just walk it out. Um. <laughs> okay. Oh, what was this really about for me? Uh, yeah. This was really about, I think this was about how, I think this was a warning that you can't always rely on the methods of the past True. to move forward. Yep. Whether that's on a personal level or on a global level, we have to be constantly looking forward to solve our problems mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and not backward. Yep. That, okay. The bad guy was trying to, um, you know, use this like primordial system to reboot the earth and solve and cleanse it of its sins and solve all the pollution and everything versus, I don't know, like investing in green energy. Yeah. You can't see it or hear it, but I'm snapping. Thank you. Yes. (laughs) So I'm just saying like it's sort of the, the same way that going to clean coal is maybe not the solution that green energy is the solution. Yeah. Uh, and likewise, that's whole like looking backward, you know, he's carrying, Misha Collins is carrying around his inexplicably, the award is a, some sort of signet ring that he wears on a chain. Yeah. Uh, which not generally how they give out awards to physicists, I feel like with jewelry, but cool. <laughs> yeah. Love a good, we love a good accessory. Um, yeah. Yeah. Why not? But he, you know, he's carrying this around and this is like a burden to him that this is his past. And he, in order to solve this, has to look forward and use the tools he now has at his disposal. He doesn't use physics. He uses a conspiracy theory. Granted, he uses a tool from the past, but he uses it in a new way. So that is why I'm saying this is about the importance of not continuing to rely on archaic methods to solve our problems, but yep. being new. It's, it's an inspirational, you have to be new and innovative. That's, so that's, I, that, I think that the dual message of that with, uh, relax on your conspiracy theory, yeah. I think is a good takeaway from this. I think that both of these are important lessons that we could all stand to learn from. Wait, and is so, that, is there like something relevant about that? I'm not, 
I'm not quite catching. Yeah. No, we're never projecting our own thoughts and feelings yeah. onto this. What is this really about? This no. is all completely, uh, this completely is unbiased. This, this is, is objective. objective. Yeah. yeah. We're film well, scholars, Jason. To be fair, me? I think this is it's objective. Scientists. I think it is objective, but it is also relevant. Yeah. <laughs> I think we've gotten Which to is, the point where objectivity can be still, like bias can still be heavily weighed in objectivity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that's why disaster movies continue to be so relevant to our lives today, because uh, these lessons are important ones that we can take from our current disasters, political and otherwise. Disasters. Plural. So many. So So, so many. Where do you have uh, what do you have set up for dreamcasting this week, Amanda? Uh, You know, I'm going back to a comma. Well, I've gone to many a time, I feel like Um, the 90s. No, I, I just, it's just an actor who I just love. And I wanted to find someone who would kind of bring that sweetness and craziness that Misha Collins brings to it, where it's like, yeah. I, the, my benchmark was who can deliver the line about a robot head well. Yeah. And to me, that's Steve Yun. Oh, yeah. No, he can do anything. I love, I love him a little wild eyed hair. He's got great hair. Incredible. Why not? Yeah. So I could definitely, he would be, he would be my conspiracy theorist for this. Um, for the scientist, the doctor lady scientist. Yep, yep. Um, definitely beef up that part, make it a little stronger. Mm-hmm. And it would be Rose Leslie. Oh, I like that. I love that combination. I, I like her accent. That. I like her I like, attitude for this. Yeah, I like her attitude. I want her to be real no-nonsense and real like, what are you talking about? I mean, very Just, egret. Very yeah. egret. Yeah, and to, to be like, yes, I know, it's impossible that the stones have moved around, but... But. Even even dealing with that impossibility, I there's a limit to what impossibilities I can process. Like I right. want her to be super, super logical, but along for the ride. Uh-huh, and uh-huh. then uh, the only other part I cast was I wanted someone for the uh, is to cast the cult leader, uh, to cast Joseph. Yeah. And it's gonna go from being a former peer to being a former mentor to Steve oh, Yun, okay. and it's gonna be J.K. Simmons. Oh, excellent, excellent, yeah. toxic mentor. Just really want, but I mean, I really want him Academy to be award-winning like, toxic mentor, Jim yeah. K. Simmons. He's, he just can, I, I want to see him holding the, the thing aloft and cackling. Like I, I want all the crazy. Give me, give me full, full-blown crazy. So that's, I like that. that's my casting. And the rest of, you know, I think that if I were remaking this, I'd probably thin out the cast a little to uh-huh. allow more, more Rose Leslie development. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, so Yeah. That's okay. where I stand. Jordan, okay. what about you? I, I'm i going to give two scenarios with just like an, an adjustment in each one. Scenario one, keeping Misha. Keeping yeah. Misha Collins. Uh, just great, a great vibe for this. <clears throat> yeah, no Dr. disrespect to Misha Collins oh, by yeah. recasting him. No, I just I just like him so much. But, He's uh, so great. Uh, Dr. Lady Scientist becomes Claire Forlani. Okay. That's, that's just what I want to do with it. Um. I just want to see her face in this. And yeah. Skeptical Scientist is going to be Victor Garber. Oh, yeah. Because, like, you know, what a head of an, uh, uh, the gruff head of an agency. We know he got, we know he's got that handle. That's um, cool. And I'm going to leave, and I'm going to leave Hill Harper, actually. I like this, too. Um, <laughs> I will say that my, my adjustment is making if it's not going to be Misha I'm going to make astrophysicist Megan Fox okay I'm going to make astrophysicist Megan Fox sure and just let it let it go from there 
uh, no with the other dream castings in place. Uh, but yeah, I, I want to see Megan Fox. We know Megan Fox is currently uh, fighting a lioness in the movie Rogue, uh, which is out for rent uh, for to to rent on VOD now. And why shouldn't I see her? She is. Uh, she she talks about being psychic. She has a, a connection with the sort of like a plane in this world between uh, between beings and uh, mm-hmm. different sorts. Uh, spiritual senses so why not put her in this position to be the one solving Stonehenge uh, but she's definitely she's definitely guaranteed living in the end after she figures this out so oh for sure yeah because after that I, cause that would I would blow that into an entire Tomb Raider style yes like that would become an entire Tomb Raider style sort of like involving archaic instruments yes 100 yeah. percent and given given her given her comparisons to Angelina Jolie in the past when she was at her sort of zenith of popularity when there was those discussions around the 2000s of like yeah. a successor to Lara Croft uh, it was often there are many like fanfic drawings artist renderings of Megan Fox picking up the two pistols yeah. and becoming the Tomb Raider herself. Yeah, I remember that, and I, I have no objections to her as less of a Laura Crofty type and more of a little bit more unhinged. Like, I don't want her to have that polish. I like that she would be yeah. playing a slightly, like, eats pizza rolls. Yeah. Totinos. Totinos yeah. for Megan Fox, the astrophysicist. <laughs> um, I, I, I would love to see this as a Megan Fox joint. Yeah, I'm in. With a big um, 2020, with a nice, like, good mid-budget. Give her a good $40 million. Make this yeah. a very heist. Oh, would love it. <laughs> yeah. Would love Megan Fox in a hurricane heist. <laughs> right? Her like, training punches. I want like a fear, like the way that it was not furious. Um, oh, the Expendables. Oh, yeah. I want like an Expendables franchise, but helmed by like Maggie, by Maggie Grace. Oh, wow. Megan Fox. Yeah. Just trading punches and realizing that they have I to be think. on the same side. <laughs> Yeah, this is actually, this sounds like a fever dream, but a really good one. Like, (laughs) the bad guy can be revealed to be Lindsay Lohan. Oh, wow. Yeah, (laughs) definitely they win the day on that one. Yeah, no, and that would just be like a, an end, like an end sequence where it's like she's, she gets, like the same way that Dr. Claw gets away. So is the third act all set in Mykonos then? No, yes. she could. Yes, Lindsay could be doing yes. this from a closet from her bunk, and we could call it her bunker. I don't care. Yeah, but yeah, no, we would. Absolutely. It would be. We could have like Nina Dobrev in it, and just, and and uh, uh, Victoria Justice. So just and real- Victoria Justice. They'd play sisters. Yeah, they would. They'd be sisters in this. Mm-hmm. Odette, what's it from last week from uh, Cloverfield? Odette. Oh yeah, Odette. Odette Yustman. Yeah. Yeah, just a bunch of just just the expendables, but with actresses where you're like, why don't they do more work? Yeah, it, it, it's the the you know it, it, it's a proud tier, one that yeah. I happily financially support. I'm tell I once I'm done with my <laughs> with the other two movies I'm working on, I'll get to work on this one as well. <laughs> so how many how many towering infernos does a Stonehenge apocalypse get then? Um, you know what, three and a quarter. Okay. It was amb- it was ambitious. It was it more was. ambitious than it needed to be. Mm-hmm. It was it was like you know what this is gonna be a little balls out crazy and we're gonna we're gonna let that be. 
yeah, I didn't feel like there was, there wasn't like wasted time in this movie. I, yeah. I enjoyed, I enjoyed how it moved. I enjoyed how it went. I'm giving it a solid three. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, which I feel like is a good showing for a movie called Stonehenge Apocalypse. Yeah. I think that, I think this was, I was expecting it to be so much worse than it was. Oh, totally. Yeah. So no, good I job. Was, I was charmed. Good job, Stonehenge Apocalypse. Good, good looking out, Misha Collins. <clears throat> and a quick yeah, reminder, Misha Collins, you made this. Quick reminder for anyone who was uh, wanting to watch this movie, where do they, uh, where do they find it? Because last week we did say Tubi, but. Oh yeah, it's it's not on Tubi, which was a little disappointing. But I didn't mind giving Misha Collins my two dollars to rent it on Amazon. There yeah. So this is going to be two dollars on Amazon. Boom. And. Uh, what does that line us up for next week, Amanda? Into the storm. So I am excited. I know you. This was you came hard for this one. You were yeah. you were you were lobbying for Into the Storm. So Into the Storm from 2014 um, somehow made a lot more money than one would expect, given that neither of us had knew that it had made a lot of money. Right. Richard yeah. Armitage, Sarah Wayne Callies, Matt Walsh. You got Kyle Davis. There's a whole. A who's who of people you've seen as as bit parts on other television shows. Um, <laughs> as a new day begins in the town of Silverton, its residents have little reason to believe it will be anything other than ordinary. Mother Nature, however, has other plans. Doesn't oh, yeah. she always? So we've got storm trackers. We've got uh, terrified residents seeking shelter. We've got phenomena. Who doesn't love who doesn't love those things? Yeah. And that can be found. You can rent that on any number of sites, iTunes, Amazon, Vudu, Sling TV, yeah. any anything you like want to rent on. Through a form of Hulu service, maybe Hulu Plus. So if you have, depending on your Hulu subscription, I think you might be able to just access that as part of your package. Yeah. So there's there's some options there. Um, strong, strongly excited about the prospect of this um, coming up. So that'll be next Yeah, week. I think... One of my favorite subsets of movies we talk about on here is definitely that like hurricane heist segment that kind of like the kind of like the Gerard Butler segment of movies where it's like mid tier gets the money that it needs and more than you'd ever expect to yeah. look really good. It's it, you know, it's the it's the the wonderful thing I wish we it's the wonderful category which we saw more of that exists between a Stonehenge apocalypse and like a day after tomorrow where it's like yeah. can't we just have a working man's high like glossy disaster movie and and so that's why I'm very excited about this one I think this is gonna be good oh yeah and so that's coming up next week so Jordan where can we find you uh, you can find me on Twitter at J-O-R-C-R-U and Patreon at uh, patreon.com slash Cruciola. And I did, we did get, I did want to answer a question from an email we got oh, from a right. Michael Mariachi. Yeah, so uh, before, before we answer really quick, I do want to let everyone know we do have an email for the show. Uh, we have, uh, this message came in to like an old email account or like a form submission on my website or whatever. So the easiest and quickest way to contact the show, uh, what's the email address again, Amanda? Disastergirlspod at gmail.com. There we go. All right. What was the message, Jordan? Sorry to interrupt. Oh, no, no, no. It, uh, Michael Mattiachi was asking, 
if we could some do the someday do the original earthquake movie starring Charlton Heston, which I'm sure we will, and also ask if we would consider movies like Jaws or King Kong to be disaster movies, which if you've listened to our other creature feature movies, I think that's that's a definite yes. Those being higher profile titles, we like to reserve those for yeah. guests that we might have on. So we don't pick all the premium stuff when people are good enough to uh, take us up on our offer to join us and they don't have to you know, we, we want people to be able to do things like 2012 and uh, not necessarily have to choose from the Sci-Fi Channel's greatest hits if they don't want to. Yeah. We don't want to make them watch no, something I, that they've never seen before on right, a random yeah, yeah. streaming service, well, which we yeah, love doing, but not right. every guest is going to love doing. Yeah. I mean, down, if a guest wants road, to come right? on and brave this, yeah, please, That's, by all means, let us pick. I mean, we've... Come on in. We've got some real good yeah. ones that are just waiting to be seen. Loch Ness Terror. Yeah. Dino Shark. It'll be like Scaryoke, but for once, the Disaster Girls podcast. Once we're yeah. the number one podcast on film Twitter or whatever, then <laughs> yeah. we can sort of dictate to guests that they got to watch yeah. whatever shitty, you know, fifth sequel in a franchise B movie that yeah. uh, we, we deem fit. <laughs> Can't wait for our reign of terror to begin. Oh, man, yeah. that'll be great. Um, so yeah, so that's, and then we had a uh, review as well. Oh, this came from Stitcher. I've oh. got it here. Do you want me to read it? I, yeah, yeah, because I did the thing where I took a picture of us again instead of actually, <laughs> and it's, a, and it is an unflattering angle of me, guys. <laughs> it's funny because I, for, for, uh, fidelity purposes, I always turn off the income video and turn off, turn off my video. And so I don't see what you guys are doing when you're recording up until Amanda <laughs> accidentally takes a screenshot. <laughs> oh yeah, and it's always I'm in mid sentence, and you—it's at just the right angle to get like chins I didn't know existed. All um, right, all Jason. Right. Yeah, if you want to read it. Yeah, this is a uh, Stitcher review from Disaster Diva Joe. Uh, oh this, really? Yeah, Joe. Joe gave us a, a five star review uh, titled "A Must Listen for Any Fan of Disaster Films." Uh, and Joe says, this is just a fantastic, fun podcast for those of us who enjoy disaster films. I've been a fan of the genre since the 70s, Irwin Allen Spectaculars, yeah. and the Disaster Girls brings insightful, fun, and modern eyes to disaster movies, both classic and modern, from the woeful to the, well, disastrous. A must listen <laughs> for any fan of the genre. I think that's our whole Thank goal. you. Yeah. So thank you. Joe, you're, we, we love you. Yeah, we appreciate it, Joe. <laughs> it's it, thank yes, thank you so much for even mentioning us in the same sentence, like paragraph as Irwin Allen. Mm -hmm. Thank you for this. So wonderful. If anyone and guys, as a reminder, if you haven't written written a review and given a five star rating and review yet, we're trying to get to seventy by the end of September, and mm -hmm. then uh, we're gonna bully Jason into sharing a photo of himself with his hair dyed black from when he was a teenager. <laughs> I forgot about this. <laughs> you, yeah, that was so rude. Uh, Amanda or Jordan, one of the two. I think it was Amanda. It, 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 it was Amanda. Amanda. It was Amanda. Yeah, Amanda was real bored on a work Zoom, guys. Yeah, this would be Amanda for sure. Publicly the on Twitter. Rabble rouser. Without yeah. consulting me, just decided nope. that she yep. would volunteer uh, to show <laughs> embarrassing pictures of uh, teenage producer Jason. Uh, and I think that was very rude, but I will stick to it. Okay, Jason, in fairness, I set the number at 70 because I know that's impossible. I mean, 
we know we're not going to get 70 ratings and reviews. And if we do, wouldn't you be so thrilled that we got 70 ratings and reviews in the span of like, if we got 25 in the span of a month, yeah. wouldn't you be so ecstatic? I would be very ecstatic. Uh, what, what's the deadline for this again? So that if people do want to try and achieve the impossible, it's September 30th, it's not going to happen. September 30th. Okay. So one month. And it's entirely possible that we will have forgotten this by then. I don't if I don't know if uh, anyone will let us forget it if if we're <laughs> coming up on that deadline and those numbers are looking close. Yeah, if we're if close. they're looking close, if we're close again, I really went I went with seventy because I thought that was a high enough number that it would keep you out of the woods on this one. Here's the thing for the <laughs> listeners to know: I am very pale. I had a decent bit of acne uh, when I was. Oh, in high Jason, school. we can facetune this to do, to get the acne out. There, the Amanda will Photoshop. <laughs> no, 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 no photo. You should see. You should see the photoshopping I did on some photos I took of myself at the pink wall. Here's it's amazing. Thing. If this if this incredible feat is accomplished, uh, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to give people sort of some edited thing. I do want them to understand that what they're doing is asking for something that you probably don't want to see, honestly. Uh, the hair is very black. The skin is very white uh, with a lot of very red blemishes. Um, I look malnourished. Uh, <laughs> my clothes are too baggy. Uh, I mean, the era, the era appropriate. Yeah. I mean, like yeah. it was that period of time where I couldn't find pants that were long enough and also skinny enough. Uh, <laughs> so they were both too short and too wide. Um, <laughs> just a lot of, just a lot of vibe the best so that's just just know listeners that if you really want to see that then that's yeah, that's your thing but i wanted to sort of i need to divulge what you're asking for um but you know tell your friends about the show and uh you know see see what you can do to sort of bump those numbers up yeah and then thank Amanda, you, J- jason thank you for your dedication look yes i'm, I'm dedicated i'm a disaster and, diva through and through you are and for continuing to stay friends with me despite the fact that i'm terrible <laughs> <laughs> like objectively terrible don't worry I'll okay find something down the road to sort of like, <laughs> oh, exact revenge. the plan is on there I, we will find the many embarrassing videos of me uh performing in youth plays <laughs> If we can get to if we can get to a hundred by the end of October, I'll have my mom find the video of me as the dentist from Little Shop of Horror, oh boy. singing a song about sadomasochism. That's worth. Okay, so that's Amanda a, theater videos feels feels like something we need. Yeah, goals, so that's everybody. if we get to if we get to a hundred, that's where we'll go, and then we'll set some goal for Christmas for for Jordan. There's nothing yeah. embarrassing for Jordan, is the thing. There is Jordan. Jordan's too polished. Yeah, I've not. Well, I've not. There's Jordan no, just is, has been unabashedly Jordan. Yeah, like there's there there's no there's no deep cut that I've not that I've not already like I if I had videos of me doing as a street urchin in <laughs> like a Christmas story they would have already I would post them already I'd be celebrating yeah. these things. Yeah, Jordan it, Jordan doesn't have would, like fan fiction she hasn't shared. No, I do not. Yeah. I, I have I have Smallville fan fiction that I've only shared a screenshot of, so you can always always go to the Smallville fan fiction if we really need to. That's that's what right. I really want to see. Anyway. Oh, okay. Anyway, moving on. So, yeah, uh, Jordan, we found you at Patreon. Um, I am Amanda R. Tubbs, and that's Tubbs with two Bs. Two Bs. Um, and the only things I've got going on are uh. Oh, book still is on Amazon, um, Le Renard Argenté. The link to that is in my profile. 
on Twitter. Um, and then the other thing is, I guess I do like every so often I get bored at home and I make videos about my rock collection. Um, so you could like, if you want to learn about my rock collection and see me talk about geology, you can find these two minute videos on the account is dash D A S H geology, uh, which is short for dashboard geology, which is, uh, my, my Twitter account where I put all my nerdy geology shit. Incredible. And Jason, good. where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jason Halftones. Uh, I've got like some comic stuff and things like that on there. been doing like portfolio and sample stuff lately, so I haven't really been updating my comics. But uh, uh, you can, it's fun stuff. Just go, go look. Just, yeah. Just go. Just go. It's always good stuff. Uh, and you can also on thatmightbecool.com, you can find other podcasts on the network like Best Pictures, where they uh, talk. They try and fix the Oscars one year at a time for every year that uh, the hosts uh, since they've been born, which was '93. So every year since '93, they've been uh, going through the Oscars and trying to fix the Best Picture nominees. <laughs> nice. All, All right. right. So and well, then of course, podcast is. Uh, Disaster Girls or Disaster underscore Pod on Twitter. We're DisasterGirlsPod at Gmail dot com. So that's how you can find us for those things. Yes, ma'am. And, and we will. And, and and we thank you for participating in this, this Stonehenge apocalypse. Such a good, such a good Stonehenge apocalypse. And we will go into the storm with you next week. <laughs> See you guys next week. That might be cool.com. You never know. <laughs>